As a developer, you love building things that are fun and that matter. Me too. Do you want to add authentication to yet another app? Do you want to stay updated with all the security issues and patch them? Why not leave it to the experts? Auth0 is the easiest and fastest way to implement real-world authentication and authorization architectures into your apps and APIs. Allow your users to log in with either regular username and password, social identity providers like Facebook and Twitter, or enterprise identity providers like Active Directory, Office 365, etc. Or without passwords, with an email login like Slack or phone login like WhatsApp. Getting started is very easy. Add authentication to your Ruby app or Rails app, Sinatra, and others in less than 10 minutes by writing only a few lines of code. No credit card required. Get the free plan or try the enterprise plan for 21 days at auth0.io slash rubyrogues. That's the number zero in Auth0. Auth0 is trusted by developers at Atlassian, Mozilla, Bluetooth, Optimizely, Financial Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Try it out at auth0.io slash rubyrogues. Remember, that's the number zero in Auth0. And get back time building core features. Welcome to Ruby Rogues. I'm David Kimura. And today on our panel, we have Eric Berry. Hey there. And David Richards. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about something a little bit uh, different, but hopefully it's something that you guys experience in your day-to-day life. And it is what our typical day looks like. So we're our format's going to be is just on a typical day, kind of what we go through, what we experience, and what it looks like in our lives. And maybe you can relate to some of those things. And sometimes you might even find some helpful hints that we're doing in our day that you want to put into practice with yours. So Eric, do you want to be our guinea pig and go first and tell us what your typical day looks like? Sure. Um, so <laughs> my typical day it might be a little bit different than others because I'm trying to build a startup code sponsor on the side. And I'm only doing it. Um, I, I, I've, I'm only doing it uh, on the side. So I have a full time job. So the way I the way I make this happen is I get up at five in the morning every morning and I can't mentally prepare my mind to work unless I'm showered, dressed shoes on, ready to walk out the door. And then I spend the next two, two and a half hours uh, working on code sponsor, working on um, some of the issues that we have in place, some of the uh, the sponsor uh, relationships that we're doing. But it really is. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll get more detailed. I use uh, Clubhouse for managing my tasks. And in Clubhouse, it's a very good task management platform uh, that fits me like a glove. And so I have everything in there that I need to work on prioritized. And then I just start chipping away one at a time as I can before work. And so come 7.30, I go upstairs and I help my wife uh, with the kids. I make her coffee. I, you know, we have breakfast. And then uh, luckily my, my work is only, um, my work's only about four minutes away drive and I work in this a fantastic place. I work at a company called Scipio, and I absolutely love that company. Uh, they've been super supportive of Code Sponsor, and they're just a fantastic place to work. Um, we get to work in this old uh, flour mill that was built in the 1800s that has been converted to office space. So, do you want me to continue? That was so good. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm mean, just to tell a full story. All right, this will be like a <laughs> ten minute, a ten minute daily thing right so so then i get to work i get to work at eight o'clock 
And I always park right outside where they have the fountain machine. Because every time I come in, I grab a soda. And every time I leave, I grab a soda. It's my it's my little addiction that I have. I'm in Utah. That's that's the number one addiction in Utah is uh, soda. We even have drive-through <laughs> soda places. You know how there's Starbucks, drive-through Starbucks? We have drive-through soda places in Utah. That's how cool we are. <clears throat> so I get to work. I get my soda. I go to my desk. And I just download everything that I need to do that day. Uh, the way we work at Scipio is we have a, uh, uh, we, we run on a Kanban, uh, a Kanban task platform. Uh, we use, uh, Jira and my, my tasks are all set, set up for the week. And the first thing I do is catch up on Slack, make sure I catch up on everything that I'm missing. And then typically that like all of that catch up usually takes about an hour. Um, by nine o'clock, I'm I'm coding. So between eight and nine, I'm like into preparing myself, downloading into my brain what I need to to get the the work done for that day, and then I uh, then I start working. So I go through that, and because Code Sponsor is so demanding on time, the way I run it is I I use Calendly to build my uh, calendars. So in Cal- Calendly is an amazing tool, especially if you're a, a one-man startup uh, doing it on the side because you can allocate time slots in Calendly to say, these are my availabilities and all of my appointments, you just send out a Calendly link and then they can click it, find a time that works for them, but that time, it only those times are only available for the time slots that you provide as available. And if you have other stuff scheduled for that time, it won't show up. So uh, I often have meetings between 11.30 and 12.30 every day. Um, they're, they're Google Hangout meetings, talking with sponsors, talking with developers, talking with uh, potential partners, that kind of stuff. Um, and after that... Uh, our company provides breakfast on Mondays. It provides lunch on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so, uh, if if it's a Monday, and I'm I'm really getting detailed that. So if it's if it's a Tuesday, let me rephrase it. If it's a Tuesday, I only spend half a day at work. Um, so today is Tuesday. So I I work from home until till one o'clock, and then I go in, and so it's my half. It's my code sponsor half day. I go in at one o'clock and then I cram it out through through five. And then on Friday, I I work until 12 and then I take another half day for code sponsor. And I took a pay cut to be able to compensate for that. But like I said, Scipio has been amazingly supportive of this. Um, so <clears throat> after that, I, uh, I I work through five o'clock. I'm, I'm constant. I spend about Seventy percent of my time building features and thirty percent of my time doing bug fixes. I think, um, and I got to say, most of the bugs that I'm fixing, I probably have been the reason for a lot of them. And the reason is, is because I haven't been disciplined enough with testing. And I and I found that if you're doing a startup, you better write tests, or you're gonna you're gonna be in big trouble. And that that awakening, I guess, that I've had, I'm bringing back to Scipio because. It's so um so right now everything that I'm coding at work I'm I'm actually building tests around and, and I've been very lax about that in the past because we were in such a startup mode but now that we're 
we're building uh, solid, solid infrastructure, we have to have it all tested. So five o'clock rolls around. I head home. Four minutes later, I'm home. <laughs> I, of course, I refill my soda on the way. I bring a soda home for my wife. Um, and then uh, I have dedicated from five to seven o'clock family time. And so I spend time with my kids. I spend time with my wife. I spend time with, uh, with doing everything we need to do. I help get the kids ready for bed. I help, um, I help do uh, dishes and all that stuff. And then on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 o'clock, I go back to work on Code Sponsor from 7 to about 10 or 11. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my wife days. And so I spend them with her and we sit down and we watch stuff like uh, uh, Stranger Things or girls on HBO, stuff like that. But that's, that's my day. It's, it's a pretty hectic day. I, I feel, I feel a little bit of the burnout that people talk about. And I've experienced in the past where I'm working right now. I feel like I'm working two full-time jobs. Um, and I'm trying to figure that out in my life and how to manage that without just jumping ship because I want to make sure that I help Scipio as much as I can, because they've been so wonderful to me. I don't want to I don't want to make any decisions that would negatively impact that relationship. But I also want to make sure that I give Code Sponsor every opportunity it has to grow and succeed. So that is my typical day. I don't know if that's normal, but I think that might be a normal startup <laughs> day. Yeah. So uh, how do you avoid burnout? Because I think that's a good topic. You know, we've seen a lot of people in the Ruby community, and we probably know a lot of people who. Uh, get into this uh, pattern of their daily life and then they just start to get burnt out. Their productivity over time goes down. And so what are some of the things that you do? Because that does seem like a fairly set recurring schedule uh, that you have it down to the day. How do you avoid burnout? I've, I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, and in fact, so I recently went on a cruise, I, I spent a week and I, I turned off everything in my brain and I got back and I had major anxiety over getting back to the two, you know, two full-time jobs. It actually was debilitating for a little bit. Um, and then I, so I, I thought about how, what do I need to do? And, and at, at our, so again, I work, I work for an amazing company and we, we have, uh, some of the most influential speakers and uh, come visit us. We have, uh, they seem to know everybody. And for some reason, everybody like these big speakers that talk at huge conferences, like come talk to our little tiny group. Uh, one of the people that work with us, uh, one of the executives is named Randy Garn, and he is unbelievably amazing. This guy knows everybody. And he also is a, a huge motivational speaker. And he shared the difference between so he shared something recently, and I'm building this up because this is where it came from. But I find two things help burnout. Two things help prevent burnout. One is to make sure that you have a task list fixed. And if you start feeling burned out or anxiety, that means you're not organized enough. So you have to go back to what is what needs to happen in what order and be able to block out what's not on the top of the list. The second part which I think is to me the, the reason why I don't believe I'm going to hit burnout is passion. Um, so Randy shared uh, something uh, from, I think it's like the, the power of Ted. 
I think is there's a book called The Power of Ted, and it talks about this this triangle of Ted, and I'm, I'm going to mess it up, and I don't remember it exactly, but but the core of it that I took from that is there are two two ways to approach things. Uh, there is a, a, an approach of anxiety, of reactionary anxiety, of pity, of of self doubt, of anger, and these type of things push out passion. They push out anything and they make it so that you can't, you know, you're, you're doing it as a victim and you're doing it as a poor me. But when you can push that out and say, you know what, I need to look behind everything and say, why am I doing this? Um, for code sponsor, I've today, like today, code sponsors have given out more than $8,000 to software developers. Um, I'm hearing from developers how important this is. And, and I really, really, really feel that it, it can impact it can truly have a serious impact on open source sustainability. I mean, it, it, it has, in my view, the best chance of, of making an impact. So I see that and then I think that's why I'm doing it. I feel that's why I'm doing it. And then I take that passion and that passion just squashes the anxiety. And then so the passion and the uh, organization, I think, are key to preventing burnout, at least in my experience. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you... Um I mean, you've got a lot, but um, with that passion, is it? Um, do you feel like you're recharging at night? You've got the energy the next day, or is it really a caffeine fueled drive right now? It's uh, a good question. Um, I don't think it's recharging every day. You know what recharges you is because you're going to get kicked a hundred times when you're doing a startup. And what recharges you is a reminder of the impact that you have. Today, I received an email from a guy who um, said some just wonderful things about me and about what we're doing. And it completely recharged me. So I don't think it's a sleep or the lack of sleep that's the issue. It's, it's making sure that, um, that what you're doing, you know, matters. And I think as long as I can keep that flow going. Maybe it's an egotistical thing. Maybe it's a thing where you need the validation, you know, guy, you know, they talk about how guys need validation. Like, like, um, uh, I probably, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> anyway, guys require validation, right? It's a, it's a, it's a guy thing. We, we require, we require validation, uh, uh, to be happy. Um, and so I think that it's the validation that, that helps recharge more than the, sleep. But no, I do feel like I'm burning burning a candle from both ends, for sure. But Dave, you're you're in the same boat, right? I mean, you're you're also building a company on the side and you're uh so you're you're basically doing the same thing. Not only are you building a company on the side, but you've also got um a full-time job as well. So let's yeah. talk about your day. No, actually, I'm so, sorry, Dave, Dave not David. I was going to so, say, you know, that sounds on, like on me too. On this show you're David. <laughs> I think it's all, all three of us probably are in that. Position. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So my, my typical day looks like, uh, I get up around seven or between six thirty and seven in the morning. I definitely could not do 5am and I wake up, I go to work, uh, try not to have any coffee until I actually get to work. And that's just a thing where, you know, otherwise I'm just adding in to the normal cups of coffee I drink a day, which used to be around six to eight cups of coffee a day. And I'm down to one or two. So I've tried to make health changes in my life to improve my overall 
typical day. But uh, I work from anywhere from like 7.30, so it takes me about half an hour to get to the office till about 4.30, and then I come home. And that schedule is mainly to adjust for the Atlanta traffic. I find if I leave at uh, 7.31 or, you know, if I leave at 7.01 or something, then it's going to take me 45 minutes to get to work, opposed to leaving at 7 o'clock, then it takes me 25. So it's a crazy fluctuation in the traffic, which I really hate. Uh, but luckily, uh, Sage Software, the company I work for, is very flexible in where we work. And I like being in the office. You know, I'm kind of old fashioned like that, being going into the office, actually do my job. But on uh, sprints where we have a lot of work, where I know saving an extra hour a day of travel is going to greatly increase my productivity, then I'll work from home. So it really just depends on uh, what I have going on work-wise, which depends on where I'm actually going to be working. But then uh, I've made a really bad habit, which I've stopped. It's going out to eat. So during my uh, time at work, I would go out to eat. And that really just not only sucks up a lot of money, it's not healthy and stuff. So I've actually put it on my calendar which days of the week I'm going to go out to eat. And it's only one day a week. So, and that's just for my lunch. Where's your favorite place to eat? It's a like, local where's mom. your most guilty place? It's a local mom and pops, uh, store that's just a couple of minutes from the office called Rich Witch. And I go there, uh, I used to go there like four, four days a week, which was horrible. My cholesterol is probably like shooting high. And I always get the chicken wings and, uh, fries. So, you know, definitely not, not good for you. So I'm, only doing that one day a week now. So definitely, you know, excited to see health benefits returns from that as well as the uh, financials. So, you know, I'll put in a good eight, nine hours of work a day and then I come home at 430. I have uh, three kids all under the age of their four and under. So we always have stuff going on around the house. Um, luckily, we're not at the season of volleyball practices, baseball games, and all that stuff yet. But uh, it's amazing how much attention a child desires and craves and just how much it means to them to give them that attention. So unless if I have something critical going on, uh, I spend time with my kids and my wife until they go to bed, you know, which the kids go to bed around uh, anywhere from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. So I make sure, or at least I try to make sure that that's just devoted family time, you know, from five to eight, no matter what we're doing, it's, you know, about them. Uh, I do like coming home and just relaxing for a few minutes when I first get home to just uh, decompress from the busy day at work. And work is a really busy time. It's always uh, something going on or something needing help where trying to complete a sprint. And I think to your point, Eric, that you were making about having a schedule of things, I absolutely agree that if we did not have sprint schedules where we had certain things measured that this is what we're going to complete, I'm kind of the obsessive compulsive where if I have a huge list of things that need to get done, I'm going to just stay up day and night until that list gets done because I don't like having stuff on the list. 
But to take what you said and kind of expand it further, it's having a sprint is extremely helpful for me because we say that these items are going to make it into the sprint. These are based on the time that we said we have available. This is what we are able to actually get done. And it, it varies. Sometimes we get something done a lot quicker or sometimes something doesn't get done as fast as we thought it was going to. So we had to adjust it a bit. But for the most part, we keep pretty much to our sprint schedule. And the nice thing about that is it's a constant flow. It's not overbearing. It's not too stressful because we know what to expect and we know how much we have to get done and we know it's in a reasonable amount of time. And for us, that keeps the stress level down a bit where we're never rushing at the sprint in completion because we have gauged it out appropriately. So anyways, once I get home uh, and get the kids down to bed, my wife goes to bed really early so she gets up really early. We kind of have somewhat opposite sleeping schedules, but she goes to bed around 9 o'clock. And so I'm up. This is my free time. This is the time that I can actually spend doing what I want to do and however I feel uh, fit. So, so this is after 8 o'clock. Yeah, typically starting around 9 o'clock once the wife goes to bed because I like to spend time with her as well, whether we're watching a TV show or just talking, then, you know, once she goes to bed around nine, then I pretty much have free reign over the main floor. And that's where I'll start working on projects. So one of the major initiatives and projects I've been working on for the past couple of years is Drift and Ruby. And it's my screencast site where I record typically around five to 10 minute video segments on a particular topic and more often than not a Ruby topic or Rails. But that takes up a lot of my evenings throughout the week because I try to do research on each one of the episodes that I record. And the research, I might spend uh, two nights a week on doing the actual research. And then I have an entire night where I do the actual recording. So any, any episode that I do, it could take up to... Um, 12 to 16 hours of effort each week. So that's almost like a part-time job in itself. Um, so that's been going on since 2015. I've been uh, very consistent in the past year about it. And I think much like you, um, if I did not have it organized, if I did not have a flow down to my normal day, and if I wasn't passionate about it, then I would experience a burnout for sure because I don't get much sleep. I go to bed around 1 a.m. every night, and that's definitely burning the candle at both ends, uh, going to bed at 1, getting up at 6 or 6.30. Um, definitely uh, sleep deprived myself, but it's a choice I get to make, and it's a choice that I do make because it's something that I love doing. You know, I'm not stressed out at work. I don't think I'm overworked at work which means that I still have energy and effort that I can put towards my personal hobbies, develop, development or whatever. And I think as the season changes, it also kind of my schedule fluctuates with the programming activities because I also like doing woodworking. And the only time I can do woodworking is at night when after everyone's gone to bed. 
And that also proves to be challenging sometimes running a, a huge circular saw at midnight, you know, um, in our basement. So uh, I've turned our basement into a partial wood shop. But luckily, our floors have really good insulation, so the tr sound doesn't travel up to the second floor. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I like making Christmas wood presents and stuff. But that's pretty wow. much what my typical day looks like. Are you able to fit in time for like continued education? How do you, how do you continue to grow your skills? So for me, doing the Drift Ruby podcast uh, is how I'm able to continue my education because I'm always researching new things to cover either uh, in a upcoming episode or in the future. So essentially, other than the actual recording time, I'm spending uh, 12 hours to 20 hours, you know, uh, around 12 to 16 hours a week learning new things. You know, and that's on my own time, on my own uh, accord at in, during the evening time. So it's either looking up a new gym, figuring out how it works, reviewing its source code, uh, reading a book, reading blog articles. You know, I do all of that at nighttime. And sometimes I have a TV show or something going up on one of my other monitors as I'm doing that. But... For the most part, I think that Drifter Ruby has been a great resource for me to continue my education as I am self-motivating myself to learn new things so I can produce new content. Hmm. All right, David. It's your turn, buddy. Yeah, they David. You know, we're all similar, and I wonder how uh, pathological that is. You know, we all work a lot at and maybe we're the wrong people to be talking about this. <laughs> we but, need to interview somebody who has a healthy, healthy yeah. day. <laughs> we need an intervention. Somebody give us a call and say, you guys, take a look at your lives. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, one thing I'll say, though, about my life, it's that uh, my number one priority that is more than anything else is my family. If my kids are sick, if my wife needs something, I'm there without question for them and no work, no side hobby uh, or anything takes precedence over that. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices, which means taking our top priority, pushing it to the back burner for a few hours because of something, a situation that arises, but those should be few and far between. So my family is always my number one priority and where my focus goes to when uh, when it's needed. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash rubyrogues. So anyways, you know what? I think that's the same with me as well. Having that type top priorities really work out. I, um, <laughs> the other week I, I left work early because my daughter wanted a hug. 
<laughs> she'd had a bad day at school. <laughs> she hated her friend. She's 13. And uh, <laughs> the whole world was ending. So I drive for an hour to give her a hug. And, you know, those things, I guess they matter and they, they make the whole the work flow work for me, I think, um, having that connection. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a lot similar to you guys, uh, intervention or no, I, I like to get up early and work hard. I, um, I get up at five usually. Um, I, I try to leave my morning hours as my contemplative time. So I'll, I'll meditate. I'll think I'll, I'll review yesterday's work, you know, just take a look at the results and, and, and how far have I come. And, and then I go into a lot of my continuing ed in the morning. So audible books and uh, reading blog articles and writing and finding clarity in, in what I'm working on. Um, and then I've got a and, and, and I like to have a very open morning. So I'll get to the office sometime between seven in the morning and 10 in the morning, just completely based on how involved my my morning was. If I was really learning something or producing something great, I I stay and work. And then I have a, I have an hour commute through the mount, mountains, so I've got time to think and listen to audiobooks and radio and, and just let my, my head go. So I feel like that's like the really good productive time. What books do you listen to? Um, <laughs> I've got some good uh, writing books. Uh, there's one on um, building great sentences I've just finished. Um, I just finished um, Sapiens. Um, so, uh, a real variety. Usually I'm trying to trick my mind into seeing things differently. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, but you know, having fun, I, I probably go through two or three books a week right now, uh, between reading and, and listening. And so I, I try to keep a lot of information coming in. Um, and to me, that's, that's important. Um, a lot of my work is data work. And so having a creative spin on it, seeing it from a different way, knowing that maybe my first inclination wasn't the right one, um, gives myself a chance to, to, to figure things out. Um, but then when I get into the office, it's for me, it's typically a little bit more, um, a little bit more structured. We'll have a stand up as a team and we'll go over what we need to do. And we, we build products for, I work for a company called Divi and, uh, we're a FinTech company. So there's a lot of, um, precision necessary we you know the money has to balance and the system has to stay up and so there's a lot of um, and i'm on the core team there so we do a lot of the the checking and things so yeah, I, yeah we've talked before now now divi you guys are uh primary elixir right we are we do a lot of elixir that's a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> i just finished listening because i wasn't on the podcast with um uh, I can't remember his name, but the Elixir podcast that we recently did. And, and it, it keeps on making me think, man, I'm, I'm in the wrong camp. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. You're, you're, you're what, <laughs> so how, how hard of it, how hard of a transition was it from you to go, for you to go from Elixir? Let me rephrase this because we're talking about our daily life. How much time do you spend learning the new language that, I think you just started what eight months ago, nine, ten months ago, maybe no, over a year now. Um, how much time do you? How how much did that slow your daily, your daily grind down? Um, it wasn't too bad. Uh, Elixir is great in that it um, it's similar to things I've I've built before. So I mean, 
Um, probably our first two months thinking back was a lot of research throughout the day. But after that, I felt like I, I had the patterns in my head and it looked like things I built. And so I actually don't spend a lot of time thinking about Elixir anymore, probably not for the last six months. Um, I, I feel like I can do anything I need to do. And we have several of us around so that if there's something that feels hard to test or, or um, it's, it's just too complicated, we'll, we'll get creative. And there's usually things in the language or in the culture or in the libraries that make that easier. Um, but yeah, we don't spend too much time anymore um, learning it. We, we will, though. We're, we're uh, looking at uh, hiring some new people right now, and uh, they'll be more junior or mid, mid-level. And so I'll probably spend more of my time training people, which I typically prefer. You know, give me give me people that want to learn and let's build something great and exceed expectations. And that's a to me a great day. A, a great a day with training in it is a is a good day. <laughs> um, either receiving or giving the training. I, I like learning. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll go through my day. Um, I too don't like to go out to eat very often anymore. I, I felt like my waistline couldn't handle that anymore my heart so um uh, i'll usually I'll, I'll i'll actually go into the office and i'll work for um you know i'll take breaks during the day but i don't even necessarily take a lunch break um i make sure I, i'm eating enough but i i um i have enough i guess ebb and flow throughout the day that it doesn't feel like i'm in a, a high pressure environment so i can think and, and relax and if i need to go sit down on the couch and you know, goof around for a few minutes. I can do that. Um, but then I'll, 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 I'll either head out to meetups. My, my kids are older, so we've got an 18 year old living with us and, um, he's doing his life. So it's my wife and I, and, um, so I'll go to meetups, um, at night. Um, I'll, I'll meet up with other people or I'll stay in the office and work on a pet project or, or work on something. Um, I tend to have a lot going on, so I'll use Trello to, to see if I can keep it balanced, um, just to, to deliver things and see if I can get them finished that way. Um, and that, that tends to work fairly well, at least so I have a sense of whether or not I'm balanced and keep my, my head in the right space. Um, but then when I finally get home, we'll turn on Netflix or, or whatever, watch some TV with my wife. And I've usually got laptop on my, on my lap and I'm just goofing around or following up on things. Um, but then she'll go to bed and then I'll spend a few more hours coding or building up data models. And that's what I review the next morning is whatever I was building. I, I review it the next day. Hmm. So knowing you, how much of that time, so you got a huge commute, how much of your day is spent doing self-introspection? Uh, depends on the day. It'll be between a half an hour to three. <laughs> So, but, but it's not, maybe self-introspection though, isn't necessarily the, all is going on because I can go through, um, reviewing ideas or I can, um, you know, just be working on some blog articles I'm writing or something I'm, I'm trying to think through. Um, so trying to make sure that I've got the, the big picture in, in mind. So I, uh, we all have the same story, right? We're all working more than we should. We're all working after the spouse goes to bed. We're all working before work. Um, a, a question for you guys, and I don't know the answer myself, actually. At the end of the day, what what is 
the ideal day where you can go to bed saying, you know what, today was an awesome day? So for me, an awesome day, usually something got delivered. Um, I, I, I get tense when I start a lot of things and don't finish a lot of things. So if something was done and delivered and I got my attaboy, that, that's good for me. For me, it's a day where I usually don't have any meetings and I can just focus on coding. You know, it's something that I'm super passionate about. You know, lately it's been Ruby. Lately being like the past seven years. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, lately is quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's the season that I'm in. And I'm sure as the world changes, I will adapt and change as well. And whether that be Elixir or whatever the next language is, uh, that becomes mainstream where, you know, it has piqued my interest. So, uh, I love coding. I've been doing it since I was in middle school and, uh, it's something where it makes me happy. So I would say when I've written code, whether it got deployed or not, uh, definitely committed. But, you know, that's been a good day. Beautiful. How about you, Eric? I, I think that I'm probably happiest when I go to bed having learned something that I didn't know that morning. How, whether it be how to solve an issue with balancing your budget, whether it be an issue of learning a new technique. Um, for example, um, I have someone working with me on, on code sponsor and she's a fantastic Ruby developer, fantastic Ruby developer out of the Philippines. And she, uh, she went through and created a PR, used a library that I've never heard of and, and created this elegant, elegant solution to something that I would have done very differently and probably a little bit more raw. And that day, I thought, you know, I, she leveled me up today. I guess, it, I guess as long as I level up, if I, if I continue to grow, I think that's what brings me the most happiness in, in career-wise. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Beautiful. You know, I, I found that leveling up, sometimes for me, I, I have to go back to the basics. Um, so doing the simple things well, um, to me, is leveling up usually. Um, I, I have a tendency to get fancy or complicated. And so for me, <laughs> a good, I like what you're we, saying. We, Leveling up is a good day. And to me, that means calming down, simplifying my work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not clever enough to be clever yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either really. <laughs> oh, that's great. So what does a bad day look like for you guys? So we had the good day, you know, whether it's learning or coding or something like that. What's a bad day look like? I, I don't know, but I have a recent example. On Saturday, <laughs> I got up in the morning and I just went for it. And it was a writing day for me. Um, so I've been writing a technical book on, um, on data science and, and a playbook, ways to get things done. And I wrote about 8,000 words on Saturday. I mean, I was moving fast. And by four in the morning, I couldn't slow down. You know, I, I stopped maybe around nine or 10 at night and I had written all day and it was a great day, but then it took me hours and hours. And I just, you know, I, I had to recover most of the day Sunday, um, from that day. So I don't know if that's a bad day cause I felt good about things except I couldn't shut it down. And that, that was, that was pretty bad at the end of the day. 
Yeah, I think a bad day for me usually looks like, usually comes in some form of a problem. And specifically for me, it's if we have a production issue, whether it's on a per personal project or at work or anything like that, if something that we have promised to the end user, we are not delivering on because the application server crashes or something like that, that usually strikes a lot of stress for me or uh, turns my day into a bad day just because I feel like not only have I messed up the code, or I was responsible for someone uh, messing up the code that got deployed. But also from the standpoint that I'm letting someone down. And I think that that's something that I personally need to work on to where I just need to focus on the issue and get it resolved and not beat myself up over it. But I think that that's kind of where my dad, bad days usually surface is around uh, a mistake that I've made. And it's something where I always try to learn from my mistakes, knowing that I'm going to make more and more and more every day. Uh, so it's not something that I can beat myself, beat myself up over. But I think that it's something where it does take a mental toll on me more so than working a 16 hour day of coding you know they say great great developers are built one failure at a time right yeah <laughs> <laughs> interesting because like you know if i was laying bricks i used to lay brick well i used to carry carry bricks for, for brick layers and and i my job was was the bricks and mud ready and then i could leave it at, at the job site but I think the reason that we're sitting here talking about what makes a good day and how do we do this is because, you know, we really have to be in a place when we start working where we're able to focus. And the way that, like, if we let somebody down or if we got things finished, it, it tends to bleed out of our regular days really easily. And, and I find that um, an extra challenge. Yeah. You know, for me, so... A regular day or a, a bad day for me, I think, is more uh, a reflection on disorganization. Um, I've found that, uh, and it's my personality, and I, I don't know if this is common with other developers, but my personality is where I, I, I want to be the most effective I can, but I also, I, I take on a lot, right? In fact, at, at work, you know, my bosses know me so well that they know never to give me too much scope. Never give me too much scope because I can't, I get, I get stressed out if I know too much. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm really good when I have limited scope and I know exactly how it needs to happen. I can just get through it really quickly, really good quality code. But when the scope becomes too much, uh, I, I get stressed out and I take it all upon myself. It's kind of like what you said, Dave, with um, keeping that list small, because to me, it's not necessarily that I need to get through it all, but it's that I feel like it's so overwhelming that I'm drowning and I can't get above that. Um, especially with code sponsor, it's been that way a lot lately because, you know, as it, as it continues to grow and show success, um, I'm finding that I'm in the way of it. And I'm trying to make sure that I can not get so overwhelmed with a thousand things that need to happen in order to help 
keep this thing growing. But, but sometimes I can't do that. You know, it's human nature for me to, to, to be so overwhelmed. And then at the end of the day, I'm just like, I just can't do it. I, 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 I literally have to like step away and, and, and completely turn off in my brain because I've, I've overloaded. And I, I'm basically in swap memory, right? My head's in swap memory and now everything's slowing down. And, uh, that's, that's, that's the issue for me. That, that's what makes a really, really bad day. You know, I've been thinking about that lately, those moments, and they seem to be cyclical for me is that when all the work piles up and then fundamentally it just needs to be scoped down. We need, just need to focus again. And, um, that, that moment of realization that I just can't keep up <laughs> and I've got to learn to delegate or I've got to learn to be simpler or something's got to shift to, to get it all done. And, and I guess that's the problem is for me that the daily work is to see if I can keep everything in balance the most I can, that I can have as few of those complete wipeout days where there's just no way to get it all done. And there's just, you know, I'm having those hard conversations of, you know, it's just not going to get done today or this week or this month because <laughs> things piled up. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Eric, you want to, do you know what happens to a computer when you don't have any swap memory? So for example, you don't have a swap file or anything to allocate memory overflow. I have no idea the entire server becomes unresponsive and basically just crashes and burns. Not good. So even though you might be, quote, accessing you no know, swap memory, that's better than not having it at all and just crashing and burning. That is, <laughs> well, sometimes it feels like I'm going to crash yeah. and burn, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, developer burnout is such a real thing. It um, is. And, and it's so hard to avoid. It's so hard to avoid. You know, I think one thing that could help everybody with it is having someone that they can talk to, whether it's their spouse or a, uh, a co-worker or a friend that you trust. You know, have someone like kind of help you uh, hold yourself accountable, whether it's, you know, hey, I'm staying up too late. I'm not getting enough sleep. You know, would you help? hold me accountable to coming to bed at a reasonable time or, Hey, I'm not learning as much as I want to. I'm not progressing as far enough in my career. You know, having someone that you can talk to, because I think that sometimes burnout does come from working just way too much. You know, you're just over committing yourself, but it can also be that you're not organizing yourself well enough to spend your time appropriately. So you can work 16 hours a day, but have not worked hard at all. So, you know, if you're constantly distracting yourself with the internet or other things, or if you are um, just working incorrectly on something, then your actual throughput may have been only uh, two hours worth of work even though you spent eight times that. So I think yeah. working smarter can also help improve uh, or reduce the chance of burnout. So having a accountability buddy to, you know, get, help you get organized or something like that, I think can go a long ways. And that way you're not in it alone. You know, I think one of the worst things that we can do is feel like, 
we're in this all alone. There's no one else like us out there. And we have to do this by ourselves. And I don't think as humans, we were meant to do something by ourselves. I think that we're meant to have a companion or mentor or someone else to help us along the way. Yeah, definitely. I love that, you know, having somebody around. Um, that also reminds me of a project I did in, in Palo Alto. Um, it was a, you know, it was a high growth startup. I was their first hire. And the first question they wanted to know is what did I do outside of work to, to, to balance my life? So, um, <laughs> hiking and mountain biking for me, but making sure there's something else as well, that it's not all about work all the time. I mean, I, I tend to let it be all about work a lot. But having some way to just burn some calories and get some fresh air and do something else is also, for me, critical. Yeah, well, and uh, I live in Atlanta, so uh, our outdoor activities are usually reserved to um, uh, fall and wintertime when the temperature is reasonable. Uh, I like playing tennis uh, for my physical activity. I think it's a great exercise. But during the summer times, I just can't do it outside. We have tennis courts right across the street from where we live at our clubhouse. So over, you know, in the fall time, I love going out there when it's like 70 degrees and just, you know, hitting the ball with the kids and the wife. Um, but I definitely don't get as much exercise as I should. And I think that could also contribute to not reaching my full happiness during a typical day. I think, you know, part of our responsibility, if you do have a spouse, is to take care of yourself. And I think that's something that I've really been lacking. You know, either because I'm working too much uh, at work and on my personal projects and just not, you know, and I don't want to say this because my kids are top priority, spending a lot of time with my kids, but not giving myself the exercise time. You know, I think I really need to cut back my evenings and actually go work out. I have a, a bike in the basement. I just I haven't used it. And there's really no excuse. I just need to, you know, you know, like we were saying, talk to my wife. Have her help me hold myself accountable. I like it. Was there anything else in our typical days we want to share? I, I guess the only thing I'd like to share is I hope my typical day right now does not continue to be my typical day. Yeah. There's wisdom. Yeah, I I I have it having talks with other people about how I develop and what kind of a developer I am. Um I've I've come to realize I'm a, I'm an emotional developer. I have to care about what I'm doing to to write the code. And and I think that that gets it in my way. I can get out of balance really easily that way. You know, so um you know, it's it's no fun if I just have to check in and and do a task and check out. But it's also no fun if I passionately and 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 uh, manically write a lot a lot of code and burn out and then have to pick up the pieces later. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to picks? Sounds great. Do you run your own freelance business, or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side? Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. 
and it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Uh, All right. What's your pick? I've got three. Yeah, I've got three today. The first one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with the two that I mentioned early on. Uh, one of them is Calendly. Uh, so Calendly is an amazing product that uh, they, you can use for free, or if you want a little bit more uh, features, you can pay. It's, I think it's $5 a month. It's super cheap. But if you, have, if you have any need to asynchronously schedule meetings with your calendar and make sure that they don't override calendar events, it's a great tool. Absolutely great tool. Uh, the second one is Clubhouse.io. Um, again, there, there, you know, there's so many, so many project management tools out there, and and you find as you go through throughout your, you know, your career that oh, some of them fit me better, or they might fit a project better, right? Basecamp was definitely uh, a better fit for certain projects that I've worked on in certain companies, but but Jira has been better for for my work, and then and then of course Clubhouse is better for code sponsor. Uh, but it, it's just, you know, one of the many things that that's really cool to look at. And then finally, I'm, I, I'm, I keep going back to it. I keep going back to it. I keep going back to it. You guys got to use Metabase. So I just spent uh, last night, I went through and I generated this this dashboard. Uh, and Metabase is is a layer that sits on top of your Postgres. You can launch it up to uh, Heroku and it just ties in with your existing database, and then you have immediate BI reports. And if I could show you what I'm looking at, like right now, you, your jaw would drop because I built the whole thing using Metabase, and it looks like a high, high-end professional dashboard, but it didn't take long, and Metabase did most of the work for me. Let me give you one little thing that, that I was able to do. I, I created dashboard items, little little reports, but then I said, okay, hey, I want to add a filter to this whole dashboard. So I click edit and I add filter and I say, okay, I choose date. And then every single one of my dashboard items has a little drop down saying, okay, you want to choose date? Select the field to filter by for each one of these dashboards. And it lets me choose across all the different tables that are touching those individual items. It is just the most well thought out. It, 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 is, it is God's gift to developers yeah, through open source. I'm just telling you right now, if you're not using Metabase, you're crazy. There you go. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this whole episode is establishing that I'm crazy, but I'm excited for Metabase. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my pick today, my picks, I've got two today, and they're a little different, but I um, have been having a lot of fun with them. Uh, they're both books. One is called Tower by Bill Henderson. So Bill Henderson is the editor for Pushcart Press. So for the last 41 years, they've taken some of the best writing from all the small presses and they compile it up every year into a, uh, into a book. And he wrote this book, Tower, and he's a great writer. And he's just really connected to life 
And and here we are talking about connecting to our work and having a balanced life. So he builds a tower in Maine for no reason, three-story tower. And it's a memoir of that experience. And it's really what it is, is an ode to work, an ode to balance of a good life. It's a very, very pleasant read. Uh, and if, if we're looking for balance in our lives, that, that may assist. Um, the other one is Building Great Sentences by Brooks Landon. It's one of the... Um, most fun uh, books I've read. You wouldn't think that learning how to write a sentence could be fun, but <laughs> so many of us write blog articles or we connect through these things and, and learning how to get the the clarity behind the sentences and having a rhythm to them and, and connecting with people. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're connecting, we're adding value to people's lives. And so learning how to do that, um, whether it's code or blog articles or teaching a team, whatever we're doing, learning how to do that better is, is for me, always, always uh, worthwhile. Cool. And my one pick is actually AWS Beanstalk. It's something that I had never played around with before. I had always just spun up uh, manually EC2 instances for hosting applications. But I've recently took the dive and played around with Beanstalk. And it's amazing. It creates your... It creates its own contained uh, EC2 instance, which is just basically like a virtual machine to host your website. But it supports so much more with auto scaling and uh, a lot of different checks to add in, remove instances as your load needs. And it's really awesome. Uh, I've actually just moved Drifter Ruby over to Beanstalk and it's been running great. So now I don't have to worry about. Um, I have too many instances running or anything like that. It's all managed automatically and, you know, should hopefully uh, help manage the cost of hosting the site. Very cool. Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you guys about your typical day. And I think I'm going to get back to mine. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you guys so <laughs> Me too. Thank right. you. Talk to you all later. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.